Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. It's great to be here this morning. I'm excited to be here. It's cool to, cool to hear about uh, Christian family care. And you guys were talking about that this morning because that's where my wife and I adopted our oldest daughter through. And, and I would just say, as somebody who's gone through that process, if you have any, like, any inkling that God might be even remotely calling you to that, just check it out. Just get the information and check it out. Hey, glad you're here today. Uh, if you're visiting, if it's your first time, we especially want to welcome you. I'm sorry you're stuck with me. The normal guy's a lot better looking, and he'll be back uh, soon. My name is Brad Hicks, and I'm the lead pastor of Aspire Church. And if you're not familiar with Aspire, as Dave mentioned, we're a church plant right from here, from out of Compass, a couple of years ago, gathered up some group of people, and, uh, a group of people, and they kicked us out of here, and we went up to uh, Surprise to do ministry up there, and, and so I'm, I'm glad to be back here this morning for a morning. It's kind of like coming home. It's kind of like after you get married, and, and you go back and visit your folks for the first time. It's cool, because you get all the good stuff, like the home-cooked meals, but you don't have to follow any of the rules. You can't get in trouble anymore. So we're going to have some fun this morning. If you got a Bible with you, you can grab that and head over to Matthew chapter 13 is where we'll be. Matthew chapter 13. The words will be up on the screen uh, as well. Before we get to that, let me tell you a little bit about the year that we've had. 2016 has been a wild year for us. Um, we, we recently adopted two children, added a couple kids to our family, uh, a four-year-old named Aubrey, little girl, and then a boy uh, we call him AJ. He turns two today, actually. And so there's that whole debate about if it's harder to go from one kid to two or two to three. We just said, forget that. We're going from one to three. We're going all in on this thing. And so our family has, has grown from three to five this year, which has been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, because our family grew, our, our living situation needed to grow a little bit. We had, uh, we had a couple years ago kind of downsized into this fun little fixer-upper that wasn't any fun with five people in it. So we, uh, we moved this year, which was, which was fun and exciting. Our oldest daughter, Abby, she's six. She started first grade, and that was really exciting, kind of crazy, uh, but, but really exciting. So in a lot of ways, 2016 has, has brought some really great stuff, just some great joy to our lives, some, some fun stuff that we didn't really necessarily see coming, but it's been great. In other ways, 2016 has been a very difficult year for us, probably the most challenging year of, of our lives. I uh, kind of started in the spring. My folks were down here visiting. My folks live in Oregon. They were here. Great time. Here for about 10 days. Dad and I played golf. Uh, they got to meet the, the new kiddos. They stayed. They had a fun time. They went home, and um, after a couple of weeks, my dad noticed he was, he was getting sick. And uh, like any good American male, he ignored it for a few weeks and just tried to battle through it. He just se couldn't seem to beat it. And so they, uh, he went to the doctor. Doctor put him on some antibiotics, sent him on his way. He should take care of things. Doesn't really get a lot better. So uh, a couple weeks go by, dad goes back to the doctor. Doctor says, all right, let's, let's increase what we've been giving you. Writes him a prescription for something a little stronger. Sends him on his way. Feels a little bit better, but just can't beat it. A couple more weeks go by, dad heads back to the doctor again. And uh, this time they said, you know, it's, it's been too long. Let's run, let's run a few tests. And so they do. And uh, they found out that my dad had a collapsed lung. And it had been collapsed for probably three, four weeks, they assumed. And uh, uh, so dad goes in for surgery uh, to fix that. 
And along the way, they find out that while he was here uh, in the spring, he had, he had gotten valley fever. So thanks, he's like, thanks for that, Arizona. That was, that was great. Uh, they don't deal with that much in Oregon, and so um, doctors didn't really recognize what it was. So they, they got the treatment going, and uh, he's getting better, and, and, and that's all great. Um, we're, we're happy to see him getting better. 2016's also been one of those years, maybe you've gone through a year like this, where it's just the year of hidden costs. Um, everything that can go wrong has sort of gone wrong. Uh, my wife and I both drive nice cars. They're a few years old, but they're decent cars, and we have replaced everything on those cars this year. We have a new radiator. We have two new air conditioning systems. We have uh, six new tires. We, uh, we bought an alternator this week. We didn't know we wanted an alternator, but apparently we did, so we went out and got ourselves an alternator this week, so that's pretty exciting. I still don't know what it is, but it cost me a lot of money, so that's great. Uh, I experienced something this summer that I had never experienced before. A morning uh, in July, I uh, got out of bed and I noticed my, my back hurt, like my whole side hurt. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just, you know, hot shower, maybe stretch it out a little bit. So I got out of bed and I was kind of getting ready for work and just, just kind of stretching a little bit. And I noticed it wasn't really getting any better. So I went and sat back down on the edge of the bed and just kind of kept stretching and um, wasn't, wasn't getting better. In fact, it was, it was getting worse. So I, I, I laid on the floor because it felt like a hard surface would feel better. Uh, and then a few minutes later, I was laying in a, in a hospital emergency room. And I don't know which is more painful, childbirth or kidney stones, but my vote is for kidney stones because that's all I can relate to. Hadn't, uh, hadn't gone through that one before, so that was pretty exciting. I said, now I've heard, I said to the doctors, I've heard that sometimes you can, um, you can like blast them, you can break them up so that you don't, you know, it's not as big a deal to, to pass kidney stones. And they said, yeah, um, they get to a, if they get to a certain size, we'll do that. And I said, well, well, what size is the one I have? They're like, it's right underneath it. So we're just going to go ahead and, and, and let things go. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Woven into this whole year um, has been my daughter, Abby. Abby is six. Uh, she's, she's our oldest. She's my little buddy. And starting in, in June, um, Abby started getting sick, which was weird because Abby is not a kid who, who gets sick. She started having fevers. She started uh, having ear problems, major sinus problems. Just started being really lethargic, which was weird because Abby in the summer is normally the kid you can't get out of the pool, but we couldn't get her out of bed. And uh, so we went to the doctor and, and had her checked out, and the doctor said she's got a couple of ear infections, maybe a sinus infection. They put her on some drugs, um, kind of sent us on our way. A couple days later, um, both her eardrums burst, and uh, that was that was... A, a painful thing, obviously, and um, went back to the doctor. Five antibiotics later, we weren't, we weren't getting any better, and uh, her fever now was 102 to 104 all the time, just around the clock. Um, she had lost her hearing from her ruptured eardrums about three or four weeks. She couldn't hear a ding-dong thing we said to her, and uh, thankfully that, that takes care of itself. The body, the body heals itself. Uh, her nose was basically bleeding 24-7, and she had some other symptoms, and, and so we knew, obviously, something was, was really wrong. So we ended up at um, the West Valley PCH Clinic over here, and um, the doctor that we went and saw took one look at her blood work and said, you guys are going to the hospital. Um, in fact, you're going there, like, now, like, quickly. And uh, we're really thankful for that, that doctor. She probably saved her life because my daughter was... Um, diagnosed with a very rare autoimmune disease that was shutting down her kidneys. We didn't know it, but it was shutting down her kidneys and it was destroying the bones 
in her, in her sinuses. And um, when it was, when I say rare, I mean very, very rare. Uh, she is, as far as we know, as far as uh, any doctors know, she is the second youngest person on the planet to have this disease. It's not regularly a childhood disease. And uh, so, so we're dealing with that. The doctor said, well, it's, it's, the case is honestly about one in a million. We said, we've been saying she's one in a million for years. We've just been waiting for you all to catch up on that. So um, they, uh, they, they, fortunately, there's some treatment. It's something that she will deal with her whole life, uh, but we have a fighting chance on it, lots of, lots of drugs. So that's been our 2016, and there's still two months to go. And it would be easy to fall into a sense of feeling sorry for ourselves. And people have even opened up that door for us to kind of walk through to feel bad for ourselves and to kind of have pity on ourselves. But the thing that we keep talking about in our house, the thing that we keep coming back to is how this world that we live in, it doesn't fit. It's, it's broken. It doesn't make any sense, this world that we live in. The systems of this world are broken. It's not how it was meant to be. It's like when you buy clothes that don't fit, that they're either too baggy and you're swimming in them or they're too tight in all the wrong places and it's clumsy and it's awkward. This world is, is clumsy and it's, it's awkward because it's not the world that we were made for. This isn't the world that was made for us. We were made for something better, something purer, something that fits right. That's what each one of us was made for. And that's what Jesus talks about when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, something better, something greater, something that makes sense, something that doesn't hurt. The announcement of the kingdom of heaven is why this guy Jesus stepped off his throne and left heaven to come here and tell us about the kingdom of heaven and to pave a path for us to this, experience this kingdom, to experience this something better. As we're gonna see Matthew 13 is going to give us a perspective on how we can have that something better. But it's going to go further than that. It's going to give us a perspective of how we can share that something better with others. See, it's true that on this side of heaven, we won't fully experience life as God designed it, but we can get glimpses. When Jesus says, I came to give life and life abundantly, he didn't mean the day you die, then you will experience life. He meant we can start to have a window of it. We can start to get these, these little pictures of what life was designed to be, what he wants life to be for us. And we can, we can share these pictures of the kingdom with other people. And so Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna be in, in verse 31. Let me just tell you where we're going. When you leave here today, I just want you asking yourself one question. I'm a simple guy, we'll keep it really easy. Just one question I want you asking today. Am I willing to do one thing for the kingdom of heaven? That's all we're gonna talk about this morning. That's all I want you thinking about. Am I willing to do one thing for the kingdom of heaven? We'll come back to that. Let's, uh, let's jump in Matthew 13, starting in verse 31, and it goes like this. It says, he put another parable, that's Jesus, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his field. It's the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. And it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. 
Now, there's sort of two planes on which we can read this and which we should read this. The first one is sort of that Christocentric, that Christ-centered way of understanding this parable. That is that Jesus is the man sowing seed or, or building his kingdom. And it starts really, really small like a tiny mustard seed, but over time it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it, and, it, and it flourishes into something big. Now his hearers would have been almost confused by this because mustard seeds don't grow into trees. Mustard seeds grow into sort of medium-sized shrubs, something like the size of a, of a plant you might have in your yard. But Jesus is saying my kingdom is going to grow farther than expected. It's going to have a bigger reach than you could even imagine, than you could ever even try and understand. It's going to be a place where people can come and, and make their home and come and find rest, and people can come and, and dwell and experience life in it. They can come and, and, and really, truly be home there. It's kind of shocking. Almost offensive what Jesus is saying. Some no-name guy from a no-name family in a no-name town claiming that his kingdom is going to far, out, far exceed anything the world has ever seen. In fact, his kingdom is going to outpace the boundaries of creation. I mean, you think about Christianity. Let's just be honest. It's shocking that this whole kingdom of God thing, this whole gospel thing, this whole Christianity thing, it's kind of shocking that it actually worked. Twelve guys, one buddy, twelve guys, half of them are pretty much losers, one of them's going to stab him in the back. They don't even know what he's talking about half the time. They have no money, they have no church building, they have no support that is sending them, they don't know where they're even going to sleep each day, they have no food. The very people that he claims he's going to destroy are the ones who kill him. I mean, these guys are like the underdogs of all time. This is, this is a true grassroots movement that start with just a few people. It shouldn't have worked. Christianity should not have worked. What Jesus is saying is his kingdom is going gonna, gonna to start small. It's going to be this unsuspecting little movement that nobody sees coming and nobody thinks much of, and then it's going to grow into this massive thing. And the truth is he was right. The kingdom went past the, the walls of Jerusalem. It went outside the borders of Galilee. The kingdom is now on every, every continent. The Bible, parts of the Bible are printed in almost 3,000 languages. That started so small. The Apostle Paul describes the movement of Christianity, how it started in Philippians 2, verse 6 through 8. He said, though he was God, he's talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the, the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's how the Jesus movement, Christianity, the gospel, that's how it started. Not fanfare, not loud, not big and famous. It started humble and quiet and obedience, small like a mustard seed, so small that if you hold it in your finger, you might, you might accidentally drop it and you, you, you would lose it. And that's the hope that we're all here for. That's the hope that Christ has built, that this world is going towards this something better. 
that this something pure or something more is, is at the end of this, this world where I don't get kidney stones anymore, this, this perfected world where my daughter, see, I don't have to go to my fridge anymore and, and get out the chemotherapy drugs every day. It's right there between the mustard and the ketchup, and it's just part of our life. I don't have to do that anymore. That's what this whole thing is moving towards. That's the hope that we have. It's coming, and it's good news. There's another level, though, to this story, that we can read this story. Every parable that Jesus tells, he's asking us to see ourselves in the story. That is an attribute of a, par- of a parable, that, that you would identify with a character or identify with something in that story. For example, right before this, we have the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is a famous parable. It's about, it's about these different types of soil, right? And, and seed is sown in each type of soil. Seed is the word of God in this case, and it's sown. And, and, and on one soil, it just, it, it just lands on top, and the birds get it. There's another soil where it kind of gets in the dirt, and it, it starts, but nothing really happens. It doesn't really last. And then, the, you know, at the end, there's a, there's a type of soil that the seed roots, and it, it blooms and, and grows something beautiful. And the whole time you're reading it, the whole time you're reading this story, the story is begging you to ask, what kind of soil am I? That's, that's the whole purpose of the, of the parable, that you would look at it and, and you would look at your life and you go, what kind of soil am I? How is God's word landing in my heart? That's how parables work. Similar thing in the, the famous parable, the prodigal son. Youngest son goes to dad, says, dad, give me all my money that would be in my inheritance. Dad gives it to him. He runs away, spends it all, just completely wasted on women and booze, comes crawling back, broke as a joke. Dad, help me. And the whole time you're reading it, you're going, okay, okay, who am I? Am I the young son who's running away from God? Am I, the, am I the angry older brother who's just mad about grace? Am I the dad who, when people hurt me, welcome, welcome them home with open arms and say, everything's okay, we can, we can, we can have a relationship and offer, offer that kind of forgiveness? Parables beg us to take the pages of Scripture and step into the story and see our life. This parable is no different. This parable is begging you to ask, what kind of seed am I sowing? What, what investments am I making in the kingdom of heaven? That sounds daunting, though, investments for the kingdom of heaven. Let me, let me see if I can come off that and, and show you how small it can start. Aspire Church uh, Aspire Church started right over there in that back corner. My wife, Nicole, and I were here on a Sunday morning. Service hadn't started yet. We were sitting over there, whatever, reading through the bulletin, waiting for, waiting for the, the service to start. We had been going here for, uh, I don't know, a few months probably at the time. Now today, Aspire Church, we've been going for a few years. We've got a couple hundred people, 250 people. We've got as many kids as we do, adults running around. It's crazy. It's awesome. We've got two English-speaking services. We have a Spanish-speaking service. Uh, we got, we've baptized dozens of people. In fact, we've got baptisms next week, and among the people being baptized are these three adults that just came to our church, just gave their lives to Christ. I'm so excited about that. We, we, we're an important part of the community. We're, we're, our mission is to, to bridge uh, Surprise and El Mirage under the banner of Christ. There's a lot of cultural and, and, and divides between the two, and we want to bring them together as the body of Christ. I mean, we're doing a lot of really exciting things. God is at work in, in the ministry. But it started right over there. Someone came and, and asked Nicole and I um, if we would be willing to hand out bulletins once a month. Now, I've been in church my whole life, been a Christian since I was a kid, but I'd never really served. I'm like, bulletins? 
Do you have to have a Bible degree for that or something? Like, you've got to be an expert in here. They're going to be judging me. I don't know all the right answers. I can't be handing out bulletins, man. My wife said yes before I could say no. <laughs> handing out bulletins turned into leading the First Impressions ministry here, leading, led to getting more involved. It led to leading a home group. It led to pastoring all the home groups. It led to, to our crazy Pastor Tim coming up with this idea, and I call him our pastor because he's my pastor too. Every pastor has a pastor. Tim, Pastor Tim is my pastor too. He's a crazy guy, and he came up with this crazy idea that, hey, how about we go up to Surprise and we plant a church? I promise you, it started so small. Some of you were involved in that process, planting Aspire. I remember we were, uh, we were getting ready. We were, we were in that phase before we started. We were getting people together. We were getting money together. And we had this equipment list of, of things that we needed. And so we came up with this idea. It was Christmas uh, season. And so we came up with this idea. We'll put a Christmas tree out in the lobby here and we'll put these gift tags and people could come by and they could take a gift tag and it would have an item on there and they could basically sponsor that item. They could give money towards that item. And uh, one morning, one Sunday morning, the service was going on, and, and I, I went out there, and there was a young couple, a uh, really young couple, sitting, uh, standing out in the lobby looking at the tree. And uh, he was stationed at, at Luke, and uh, they, were, they were like, man, it's, it's so cool what you guys are doing. I, I'm, we're so fired up. We wish we could go and be a part of it. But um, they, were, they were moving. They were, he was getting stationed somewhere else. And uh, he said, we'd, we'd love to be a part of it, but we, we're not going to be around. I said, ah, man, that's, that's great. Um, is there any way that you would consider helping financially support us? And uh, he said, well, they kind of both looked at each other sheepishly and looked down. And they're like, well, we don't, we don't really have anything. I said, well, let's see what we can come up with. And uh, when you're a church planter, you are a good salesman, man. You can sell people on anything. And so we start, I start walking them around the tree, and I pulled a couple items off. I said, could you, could you sponsor this? No, nah, we can't do that. Sponsor this? No. I, I found the smallest one on the tree. It was $40. It was a surge protector. It was like one of them big ones you can plug about 85 things into, right? I said, would you buy this surge protector for us? And they kind of laughed. They're like, it doesn't really feel like this super holy, spiritual, like investment in the kingdom of God kind of thing, you know? I said, no, we, we need it all though, right? Without the surge protector, we wouldn't have had any place to plug our soundboard in, our computers in, the things that run the service, that make the service happen. It seems so small. We wouldn't be able to have the quality worship service that we have without these little things. They made a simple investment. I don't even remember their names. I don't know where they are. They made a simple investment that has helped us so much. It always, these things start small. I mean, how many times have you thought to yourself, man, I, I would love to do something for the kingdom of God. I would love to do something for the kingdom of heaven. You come here on a Sunday, you get some challenge from one of these guys up here and you're going out and you're like, man, I, yes, I want to do that. That's what God made me to do. You get in your car, you start driving home, and you're thinking about all the reasons you're probably not going to do it because it's probably not going to work. Why you're just, uh, I, I want to, I'm not qualified. I want to, I just don't have the skills for it. I'll tell you a couple stories. Things that have happened to Aspire I've seen start small and, and grow. Husband and wife came to me a month or so ago. They said, Pastor Brad, about a year ago, you preached a message on generosity, giving, tithing, that kind of stuff. 
At the end of the message, you challenge us if we had never given before, if we weren't giving, uh, will we consider giving $5 a week? At the time, they, they kind of talked about it, brand new Christians. They didn't really know what this whole giving thing was about. They talked about it in the car on the way home. They were like, well, we don't really have any extra money. In fact, we already don't have enough money each month, but let's, let's give it a shot. We want to try this. So they, they started giving $5 a week. About six weeks later, they, they realized that they're still eating. Everybody's still alive. They start giving $10 a week. They said they wanted to crank it up faster, but it was, Christmas was coming, and they didn't know how to do it. I'm like, hey, I get that. That's real life right there. Get to the first of the year, they go, okay, $20 a week. Start giving $20 a week, this couple does. They were sitting in home group a few weeks ago, and we had had a message on, on generosity. They were talking about giving, and uh, a, a young couple, uh, a younger couple was in their group, and they said, like, we, we get it. We hear what you're saying. We hear the message, it all seems right, but we just don't ever know how we could give. And this other couple who had started a year before giving $5 a week said, let us tell you our story. Let us share our journey. And from $5 a week, God took that. They're now giving $100 a week, something they never could have fathomed a year ago. And then they were able to share that story, and the, the student had, was now sort of becoming the teacher. That's what discipleship is, by the way, living it out, sharing it with somebody else. They were now disciplers of a young couple in our church. How cool, started so small. Guy comes to our church uh, with his wife and their son. I promise you he doesn't want to be there. He's in his 60s, and you just look at this guy and you go, Man, I bet it's been a fun 60 years. Like, you have, you have lived it up. You can just tell by looking at this guy. Sits down, spends the, whole, spends the whole service just sitting there with his arms crossed. I don't know if he was sleeping. I'll just assume he was praying, though it's weird that he was snoring while he was praying. But um, he was just putting his time in. After seeing him a few times, another guy who sits in the row, uh, typically right in front of him, he had introduced himself a few times. Finally, he says, you want to go to lunch sometime? Sure. They go to lunch, and uh, they just have, a, just have a fun conversation. I say, let's, let's do this again next month. Next month comes, they have a good time together again. Just a couple guys hanging out. They say, um, let's just keep doing this. A couple weeks go by, and, and one of them calls the other and says, I'm not doing anything. What are you doing? You want to go have lunch? They start having lunch every other week. Eventually, it turns into they have lunch every week. A real f actual friendship. Uh, they even started a Bible study together. And one day they're sitting there uh, eating lunch, and the guy looks across the table and he says, um, could you help me give my life to Christ? Changed man. This former alcoholic, drug user, womanizer, forever changed the landscape of their family and the legacy that he will leave to his kids. Because another man, one man, took him out to lunch one day. I mean, these things start so small, a kind word, a, a meal together, a small step of faith to invite someone to church, and it seems so useless and so insignificant at the time. And then God gets it, and he does this thing that, that you could never do. He turns a mustard seed into a tree, and we get a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is like, what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. 
Keep thinking about that question, am I willing to do one thing for the kingdom of heaven? Let me go back to Matthew 13 for a minute and read one more verse. Jesus tells a similar parable, but in doing so, he adds a little bit of instruction. He adds a, a little bit of a roadmap for how we can make these, make these glimpses of life, of, of, of kingdom part of our life. Verse 33, he told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Leaven is, is like yeast, right? It's what makes bread dough rise. Without it, you just have a pile of ingredients, but, but yeast is what, leaven is what gives life to the dough. In this case, in this parable, the leaven is, is God's word. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write down three ways that I sow into the kingdom of God, three things that that you can make a part of your life to sow into, to invest in the kingdom of heaven. And the first one comes right out of that verse right there. We have to love God's word. We have to be people who love God's word. When we, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we have to get out of the mystical and we have to get into the practical. And, and advancing God's kingdom and making Jesus famous, making him known, is always started, it, it always starts in the word of God. There's no shortcut. I hear people say all the time, I love Jesus, but I don't read my Bible. I don't really get much out of it. I don't really have time. Listen, those of you here that are, that are married or, or you're dating, or, let's just say this, gals, uh, let's say you, you get up in the morning, you, you write a little sweet little love note to your husband. You tuck it in his wallet or you put it in his lunch. He doesn't know it's there. He goes off to work, you go off to work, you get home later that night, you, you beat him home, you're waiting to, to hear about that, that little note that you had written, and, and he walks in the door, and you just smile at him, and you say, did you, did you read the note? Did you see it? And he goes, yeah, I, I saw it. I, I just, baby, I love you so much. Did you read it? No. I just didn't think I'd get that much out of it. I didn't have time. Listen, I don't know what things are like in your house, but in my house, frying pans are flying, if that, you know what I mean? Like, that ain't gonna happen. Advancing the kingdom of God, making Jesus known, starts with God's word. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 11. I keep your word close in my heart. It's a part of me, so that I won't sin against you. I said earlier, we don't fit here. This isn't the world that we were made for. My, my daughter's body wasn't designed to attack and, and, and kill itself. In God's word, I find hope. I find something better. I find for her a promise of a restored and renewed body. One of my good friends, family at Aspire, they lost their son to cancer a couple of weeks ago. He was 11 years old. He's been battling cancer for eight years in the last few days of his life, and even after, he, even after he had passed away, yeah, we were sad, but you know what we sat around and did a lot? We talked about God's word. We talked about the promises of redemption, of heaven. We talked about the fact that he had this restored body that he hasn't had ever. And finally, he was able to run and do the things that God designed him to do. Anything good, any glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, is, it is rooted in scripture. We gotta become people that love God's word. Now, Let's be honest, you're not gonna go home today and go, you know, 
I'm gonna start reading my Bible for four hours a day because some dude that I don't know who I'll probably never see again standing on a stage told me to do so, right? It doesn't work that way. If it was that easy, I'd stand up here and be like, write me a check for a million dollars. And if you all listened like that, then that'd be great. But it doesn't work like that. But can we do this? Can you ask God to teach you how to love his word? See, Psalm 25 verse four says, make known or make, make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. Can you do that today? Can you, oh God, show me how to love your word? God, just be honest. You can be honest with God because God already knows. Just be honest with God. Go, God, I I don't love reading your word. I don't feel like I get a lot out of it. God, I don't feel like I have time. Could you just show me? God, could you just show me what that looks like? Could you show me what it's like to love your word? Anything we do for the kingdom is rooted in scripture. The second thing to write your notes, if you want to sow into the kingdom, I have to find my field. The sower does not plant randomly along the roadside. It says he planted a seed in his field. What's your field? Where can you make a difference? Jesus never told us, he never told you to change the world. We talk about, I want to change the world. That's great. Change your neighborhood. Okay, he never said change the world. He did say go into the world and make Jesus known. So what are your circles of influence? What are places that you interact with people? Do you have a workplace? Do you have a family? Do you have kids? You know, I I lead a church, but my most important field is in my home. It's my wife and my, my three kids. Do you have a social club you're a part of? Do you teach in the kids' ministry? Do you help with youth? Do you lead a home group? Do you hang out at Starbucks? You can have conversations about Jesus at Starbucks. What's your field? For me, it's my coworkers, it's my family, it's the teachers at the school that we meet at that I want to invest in. What are yours? If you're you're taking notes, just jot in the margin. Here's my field, my work, school, home, whatever it is. What field has God given you to make an impact? One of my favorite things about living in Arizona is asking people, how'd you, how'd you get here? Because like 80% of people go, I don't really know. I just ended up here, right? That's like our story. I just ended up here. No, you didn't just end up here. God has you here for a purpose. He has you here on purpose, and it's with a purpose. What has he given you? What field has he given you where you can make an impact? The third thing, final way, sowing into the kingdom. Do something small. You could cross out the word and say do something at all if you'd like. What is one thing that you could do this week to sow into the kingdom of God? At Aspire, we say our mission is to, is to see people take one step closer to Christ each day. Because if you've been a, a missionary for 30 years or if it's your first time in a church in a decade, we all have a step to take. So we go just take one step. Now some days that's, that's a giant leap. Some days you just, just kind of fall forward, right? Just take, a, just take a little shuffle forward. What's your next step? Maybe you need to start on the journey. Maybe you came here today and you're looking for something. Maybe you got up this morning and you just go, I need some hope. I'm going to stumble into that church down the road and check it out. I need a fresh start. And you heard this morning that you're not made for this world, that there's something better for you. And for the first time in your life, it makes sense. It makes sense why life hurts. And it doesn't fit together because this isn't the world you were made for. And this isn't what was made for you. It was ruined by sin. 
And then this guy named Jesus came along and they hung him on a tree naked to be laughed at and spit on. And he died there, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later. And the Bible says if, if we just believe that, that you will experience life in the kingdom of heaven for eternity, but it's not just something that happens when you die, it's something that begins today. If that's you, if that's why God brought you here this morning, don't wait. Make that decision to follow Christ today. Don't leave here without talking to one of us, asking questions, going, what does that look like? We'd be happy to answer those questions. For all of us, though, what if we did one small thing this week, one small thing to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, spoke a kind word, prayed with a friend, carved out 15 minutes for some time with God in the morning, Maybe you listen to a podcast on the way to work instead of, instead of talk radio. What if you went in on Tuesday not fired up about the election, but fired up about Jesus? What kind of difference? See, Compass Church, you, you know how much power you have? You know how much authority that you have in the name of Jesus in the West Valley? It's incredible. Use it. Use it this week. How would, if, if, if we all did one thing, how would that show up? How would we make Jesus known for that? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it becomes a tree, however small. Are you willing to take one step to do one thing for the kingdom of heaven this week? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, show us that one thing that you want from us this week. Lord, what this group of people could do to make Jesus known. If we would just sow a little seed, you could turn it into a tree. Lord, some of us feel like we don't have the ability to do much for the kingdom. What a lie of the enemy that is. Reveal to us this week what you want from us. Holy Spirit, speak into our lives how you want to use us. Lord, I am so thankful for the people of Compass Church, how their generosity has been like a mustard seed growing into a tree in Aspire Church. I pray, Lord, for so much clarity this week for each person here that we would be so aware of the lives around us and how you can use each person, each one of us, to make Jesus known. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave up his life that we could have life. We just want to make him famous. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info, and we'll see you next time.